Um, and and now, now Jesus goes into a couple verses here where he, he's explaining himself. And Jesus does not explain himself very often, right? I mean, he, he, some people say Jesus preaches in parables so we understand. No, he preached in parables so they wouldn't. The disciples always say, what are you talking about? I don't understand what you're talking about. So he would explain it to them, and that got recorded in the Scriptures. So we're, we're having aha moments because we understand it, but a lot of people didn't understand it. And, and listen, every time, every time Jesus went anywhere, the Pharisees, the church leaders, were aggravating him, trying to find fault with him. And every time he'd do something that didn't line up to their law, they accused him of breaking the law of Moses. And Jesus is going through all these beatitudes, and the Pharisees are saying, this, this doesn't line up. You, you know, they start spreading this rumor that Jesus came to get rid of the law. <gasps> so Jesus says, let's talk. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. If Jesus wants to explain himself, we need to listen to this. And we need to understand it too, because what about the Ten Commandments? What about the law? You know? Is that, do we just throw that out? Just, whew, just live any old way? Or what's the deal? What's the relationship? And believe me, they've been arguing about this for 2,000 years. So I'm not going to solve the problem this morning. But I'm going to do my best. And this, this sermon's going to get rough. You may want to leave now. By the way, I need your prayers because it's not as rough as next week's. You want to know next week's title? Lust, adultery, and divorce. Jesus, help us. Can I just cut that part out? So how many will pray for a pastor? How many will show up anyway? Because if you pray for me, what he's going to say is support him no matter what he says. Because Okay, you ready? Verse 17, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets, entire Old Testament. I did not come to destroy. I came to fulfill. But what does that mean? I didn't come to erase anything. I came to fulfill the law. So the law had a purpose, but its purpose wasn't yet realized until Jesus came. So keeping the law in the Old Testament was incomplete. Wow. That's not even in my notes. Wow, that's good. He says, for surely I say to you, till heaven and earth shall pass away, not one jot, not one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Not one jot. Not one tittle. He's probably talking, one of the things he's talking about is that little apostrophe that, that the Hebrews, it's, it's actually a letter, but it's, it's an apostrophe that they put over certain words to give it certain meanings or emphasis or whatever. But that little apostrophe on the top there, you know how many there are in the Old Testament? 66,000. It's called the Yod, Y-O-D, the little Yod, that little boop. That's just one thing. There's 66,000 of them. And he said, not one of them. I didn't come to get rid of even one of those. Well, 
What does all that mean? Whoever, therefore, breaks one of the least, the smallest, the most insignificant of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever does and teaches them shall be called great. I know we use that word with everything nowadays. It's one of those overused words. It's, it's the word where we get mega from. And when Jesus said great, he meant, here's what he really meant, great, great, amazing, awesome. There's another overused word. In the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Wow. But he says, if you break one of these, even the smallest of them, you're considered least in the kingdom. So we got, we got a principle here we need to get a hold of. For I say to you that unless your righteousness, I don't even want to read this, exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. This is where the crowd left. What do you... How can you be more righteous than the Pharisees? Do you realize they had 248 commands and 365 prohibitions? You know, we prohibit this, we prohibit that, we prohibit this. In other words, they had one for every day of the year. But actually, you had to obey all 365, all 365 days. I mean, I don't know how everybody even kept track of that many commands and prohibitions. How did you remember all this? I mean, life is, you, you, think, you think life was hard 50 years ago with the Church of God standards. They were strict. I won't even go into it. But they were, but here's the problem. Whenever you start listing do's and don'ts, you know what the problem is? People start finding loopholes. It's called the loophole ministry. I don't care. Anytime you start listing things, the list just keeps getting longer and longer and longer and longer because you keep finding external things that you can judge people by. And they start saying, you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't do that. And, and uh, you know what we say? Oh, okay, I can't do this, but can I do this? And what you're saying is, how much can I do and still go to heaven? How many know that's not the right attitude? Wives, what if your husband came to you and said, how much can I get away with before you divorce me? Heard <laughs> not much from somewhere. <laughs> Her list is very... Pray for Alan, everyone. Pray for Alan. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know what? You know what, you, know, you know what she will say? You can leave right now. You can go right now. If your attitude is, how much can I get away with before you leave me, you can leave right now. Amen. Come on, because there's something wrong with your attitude. There's something wrong with our relationship when you think the goal in life is to see how much you can get away with instead of how to please me. And God's the same way. We don't, say, we don't make lists of things that we can't do. We ought to have lists of things we want to do to please the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Some of you probably actually pray, God, can I do this and not? And God says, just, just leave now. Is everyone getting what I'm saying? Wow. 
So that's the danger of laws and commands. Listen, it's not about how many rules. It's not about the quantity of the law. It's about the quality of the law. And it's not so much about externals that we can see and judge. It's about internals. And I give you that illustration that, you know, if a cup looks dirty on the outside, we immediately assume it's dirty on the inside. And that may not be true. It may not be true. And we judge a lot of people by the outside when the outside could be clean. You say, how is that possible? Because by grace we're saved. The day you got saved, you were clean. Even though you had some exterior things you still need to work on. Some of you still have some things you're working on, like lying. How many still got some exterior things? Just go ahead and raise your hand and say, yeah, I got some things I'm working on. And maybe they're also interior things. So what, what is this thing? What, you know, Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law. And we could say Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. A lot of laws were there just to point to Jesus. There were a lot of rules and regulations that really were just prophetic in a sense. And, and really, Jesus says, look, a lot of these things, you, can, you need to understand the spirit of the law and keep the spirit of it. So in, in a sense, you, need, you can go deeper with this and thank God for grace. Listen, the purpose of the law is to let you know where you're wrong. So the law is still here. But here's the thing. The law, even though it tells you right from wrong, it does not have the power to save you from it. It only accuses you like the devil. (laughs) The law accuses you, but grace forgives you. And because of that forgiveness, we're able to keep the law. Wow. Complicated? You okay? So, so Jesus begins to give some examples of this. Let's go to the next verse in verse 21. He says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders shall be in danger of the judgment. I like this. But I say, he does this several times. You've always heard it said, but I say. How many know he said it with authority? That whoever is angry with his brother. By the way, how how many of you, uh, I better not ask that. (laughs) I don't think any of us are guilty of murder. I'll take your quiet as an amen. I'm looking over the crowd now. But when you look at the next verse, Whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Now how many murderers do we have? And if you, and if you say, not me, you have another sin called lying. By the way, Jesus called the Pharisees fools. So what is he talking about here? And by the way, Jesus got angry in the temple over through the, t- the tables. So there is a place for anger, but it's righteous anger. 
When Jesus stood before Pilate and they plucked out his beard and they whipped him and they beat him, he turned the other cheek. He did not answer a word. He did not call fire down from heaven. He didn't call the angels down. He just took it. He turned the other cheek. But when people were in God, in his father's house, Buying and selling, it got his temper. There is such a thing as righteous indignation. And I would that the church of the living God would once again get angry about sin. The world's angry about everything today. They're angry at us. They're ang- you know, we're angry at them. We shouldn't be, but a lot of times we are. Listen, the whole world is angry, but they're angry uh, over their own personal little petty things. Listen, if it's about you, forget it. Lay your rights down. We need to be angry about sin. Not to fight back, but to believe God for an answer. We need to turn over a few tables. He goes to the next verse. Here's another example. This, it's going, as I go through this, they get worse. I, I want to talk about worship versus relationships. Here's another example Jesus gives of what it means to fulfill the law, what it means that your righteousness needs to be greater than the Pharisees. Look at this next verse. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, okay, which includes praise and worship, right, and there remember that your brother has something against you, not, not just you against someone, but someone against you, ha- leave your gift there before the altar and go your way first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift oh you know what he's saying you see your relationships with other people are more important than your worship i know we got this thing nowadays it's just me and jesus we got a good thing going and we, don't, we get aggravated with people, we write people off, and we say things about them, and we, 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 we don't, oh, you know, people are the worst, and we talk about these things. But listen, Jesus says, if, if you don't have a right relationship with your brother, don't, don't, be, don't be claiming me as your son. Yeah, we're family. You know, whenever I hear people talk about family, it's, all, it's always about me, me, me. I want to be treated like family. Well, you know what? If you're family, you have responsibilities. You know what? If you're family, you have to do what daddy says. Thank you for the amen, because I'm daddy. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, oh, it must be great to be daddy. I'll, ex- I'll, I'll change places with you anytime. No, there are responsibilities in the family. There, there are rules in the family. There, there's a way to act in the family. Come on, church. Amen. You say, oh, where we did? that church doesn't act like family. In other words, you just didn't get your way. It's time we act like family. I say amen. Amen. I say amen. It's time that we learn our place in the family. It's time we pick up our responsibilities in the family. Come on, church. Amen. Wow. Wow. He said, take your gift. Just leave your gift. I do not accept your gift. If you have a problem with somebody that you haven't resolved. I told you it was going to get rough in here. Look, look at look, Peter talks about this with husbands and wives. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them. We all know who them are. 
Dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. Some would argue that. (laughs) And as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Hello, husbands. Your prayers might not be answered because you're not right with your wife. All the wives are just smiling and the men are like, "Mm, shut up. (laughs) They're all over the place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Get right with your wife or don't come to me with prayer requests because I'm not listening. This is serious stuff. Psalm 66, verse 18, sums sums it up. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Period. How about this one, Matthew 25 and 26? Unrighteous, Unrighteous anger. Unrighteous anger. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. What he's saying is, is it's not your place to get revenge. It's not your place to resist. It's not your place to fight back because it will catch up with you. It will come back to bite you. That's what he's saying. He said, just leave it in my hands because if you try to solve it and you won't and, or you don't solve it and you just keep going on with people, he says, You're, it's going to come back to bite you. He said, you'll be thrown in jail. Just go ahead and solve the problem. Anger will backfire. How about this one? Love your enemies. Verse 38 through 48. It's going to get worse. You ready? You buckled in? For you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, right? But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, and by the way, if they're suing for your tunic, that means that's all you got. Right? If they're suing, you know, nobody sues for your tunic unless that's all you have. So they're taking your last set of clothes. Let them have your cloak also. We'll get rough. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard it said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That was actually the philosophy of how the Jews lived. A lot of us, a lot of us, not us, but people in this world live today. They won't admit that, but that's how they live. The Jews were very explicit about that. They didn't eat with Gentiles. They wanted nothing to do with them. They actually hated them. And no wonder they were hated back. But I say to you, they say, I say, I say to you, love, love your enemies. Love enemies, y'all hearing me? Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. He's not letting us off the hook, is he? 
and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Please. Have you ever prayed for someone who was using you despitefully? It's hard to hate them, isn't it? Actually, it's harder to pray for them. You know, the whole time you're praying for him, you're kind of winking at God. God, I, I, I love him. I forgive him. But if you get a chance, kill him. <laughs> it's in your hands, Lord. I know that you're a righteous God. I know you will not leave this unpunished. Hello. Listen, listen, if you do this, here's why you need to do this. That you may be sons of your father. Hello, family. You want to be family? That's how you treat your enemies. Be sons of your father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. What in the world does that mean? God blesses sinners and saints. It rains on sinners. It rains on saints. The sun shines on sinners. The sun rises on saints. Have you ever known a sinner who prospered even more than you prospered? Let me tell you something. God is a good God no matter who they are. He loves everybody. He blesses the whole world. That, you know, the goodness of God leads to repentance, it says. Come on, is anybody hearing what I'm saying? You want to be a son of God? Then act like he acts. Wow. Huge. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? In other words, if you love people who love you, big whoop. I'm so impressed. Do not even the tax collectors, tax collectors. I got, I got a word for you. Tax collectors love other tax collectors. They greet each other. They pat each other on the back. They pray for each other. They talk about how much money they're making on the backs of the poor. <laughs> Come on, church. Oh, we're good about loving other church people, and, and they better treat me right, too. But if they treat me bad, I'm not a doormat. Love them. Even the tax collectors. If you greet your brother only, what do you do more? Say more. What do you do more than other people? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Wow. Wow. What are you doing more than people in the world who also love people who love them? How are you exceeding? Didn't Jesus say your righteousness had to exceed the Pharisees, what are you doing that you would consider more than this? Wow. <laughs> this, this world is so divided and so hateful. If you meet another Republican and you're a Republican, you're like, yes, but those Democrats. <laughs> and if you're a Democrat and you run into a Republican, them's fighting words. Well, I, I can't use the tax. I mean, who hates tax collectors anymore? I mean, that's not a big deal. They're not trying to rip us off. They're just doing their job, right? Back then, they were trying to rip you off. 
<laughs> they had a quota they had to send in, and anything above that they got to keep. So that was a pretty good deal for them. But how do you treat people that are in your face and disagree with you and are angry at you and fussing at you? And really what Jesus is saying here. He's talking about people who are resisting you and coming against you because you're a Christian. When he talks about someone slapping you, he's not talking about a violent attack. He's talking about someone who challenges your honor. Remember those old movies where the guy would take his gloves out and just lightly slap the guy on the face with his gloves? That didn't hurt. It wasn't meant to hurt. It was meant to be a challenge. So back then, if you hit, if you slap someone with your left hand, the weak side, I'm left-handed, I disagree, but if you smack someone with your left hand, that was, that was a backward slap. See? It wasn't meant to hurt you. It was meant to insult you. So when it comes to personal insults, especially for the sake of the gospel. Come on, church. We need to turn the other cheek. And that's why we, 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 we figure out, what, what do I do? What if someone broke in my house and my wife and my children were being attacked? Do I just sit there? I don't know. I'm not going to answer that. I mean, that might be a personal question with you. If it's, if it's because you're a Christian and they broke into your home, that might be one thing. That is one thing. They don't know if you're a Christian. They just broke in your home and they're attacking you. I personally, I mean, maybe if you don't do anything, it would be a witness and they would, that would, I, I remember, I remember, you remember that, that Amish school that was attacked and children were killed and the Amish community, those, these parents f- forgave these murderers. That was a witness. Sometimes it's a witness. You've got to just know in your spirit what to do. Amen. So, well, Pastor, what would you do? I'd find the biggest wrench I could find. <laughs> Hit him upside the head. I'm 66, but I can still swing a wrench, I'm telling you. If you're being persecuted, take it. This is why people say, well, I'm a conscientious objector. I don't believe Christians should fight in wars. Well, okay, fine. I'm okay with that. If that's the way you feel it in your conscience, that's fine. Does that mean Christians cannot fight in the armed service? I was in the armed forces. I I wasn't, you know, I I, I did shore patrol a few times, and I had my pistol and my, my billy club. I loved my club. It says in the book of Romans that these institutions like the police and like the uh, army are ordained by God to restrain and resist evil in the earth. Yeah, these institutions, people say, well, if you're a Christian, you can't have the... No, no, listen, everyone's not a Christian. There are people that evil has to be restrained. And by the way, that's why he says eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. He said, well, that's Old Testament. No, that's our current legal system. It's called justice. You kill someone, we take your life. I don't, and there are Christians who don't believe in capital punishment. 
Fine. If you don't believe that, that's fine. Whatever you, you know, you can be against that. But I don't, I don't know that, I'm not, I don't think the Bible's saying that. I, I'm, as a Christian, I'm not going to be the one to pull the switch. I just personally can't do that. You have to know where you stand on these things, on these issues. But Jesus is not saying that we can't, that countries can't go to war or you can't have police forces. It needs to be done justly. Police need to be just in their carrying out of, of arresting people. Amen? And we, don't, and we never go to war just to extend territory or take from other people. I don't know how to, you know, I don't know how, what to think about the American Indian and what we did to all them, but it wasn't right. Yeah, we say that until you realize that a tribe had your land. Are you going to give it back? Okay, quiet in the house. You know, I don't know how to resolve all these issues and all this stuff that's going on, but I'm just here to tell you that, that we do have the right to defend ourselves. And you have to figure that out on your own. Amen? I'll make sure I catch everything here. Why don't we just bring the musicians up? And here's what I want to conclude with. Jesus said your righteousness has to exceed, say exceed. And Jesus says you have to love them more, say more. My, my question to you today is, what does your more look like? How are you loving and forgiving and accepting people more than people in the world? We, we say things like, I love everybody. That's why these messages are so hard to preach because we just, I love everybody. I just don't like everybody. Really? Then we say we love people, but we don't help them. We don't, we don't do anything for them. They're on their own. I love you, brother. I'll pray for you. But we don't do anything. You don't love them. You can't help everybody. You can't save the world. You say, well, then who's my brother? The good Samaritan said, my brother is the one lying at my feet. Whoever's there, whoever I have an opportunity to help, I need to help them. He says, if somebody sues you for your, for your tunic, give him your cloak. And I told you that was the last thing you had, that tunic and that cloak. It was, it was funny, though. That was the last, listen, that's all, that was the last thing people had. They didn't have closets because <laughs> they didn't have much to hang up. And there are people that the only thing they owned was their coat and their tunic. That's all they owned, and they only had one. And you could sue them for that, but you know what the Jewish rule was? You could sue them for it, but you had to give it back to them at night so he didn't freeze to death. <laughs> Isn't that funny? You could take the shirt off their back, but you could only have it during the day. <laughs> There's mercy even in the law. Isn't that strange? But Jesus says, if they want your tunic, give them your coat too. If, listen, if it's a witness, if you're being sued for righteousness' sake, 
for the name of Jesus. Hello. Let it go. What does your more look like?